You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good afternoon. It is now uh, an unusually late podcast today, Monday, January the 29th. Uh, because my flight was a little delayed on the way back from Miami, but straight into TW11, where it is a rather grey, gloomy, but not that cold day for January, and into the weekend action and into looking ahead to what's coming in the next few days. In the company of RTE and Racing TV broadcaster Jane Mangan, where to start? Well, I think we have to start with Cheltenham and Trials Day, a particularly spectacular Trials Day. You'll be hearing from trainers Emmett Mullins and Jamie Snowden in a few moments' time, who experienced all the highs and lows of the day. But first of all, Jane, let's concentrate on Lossie Mouth thrusting herself into the not-champion hurdle picture, it seems, after a devastating performance in a recognised champion hurdle trial. What do you think of that? I was pleased she went to the race. I thought we're gonna we're gonna actually find out rather than her going to Doncaster and having a, a school around and do it in emphatic fashion. Little did I realise that she was going to do it in that kind of fashion against the likes of Love Envoy and First Street anyway. She couldn't do anything but impress. Um Paul Townend had a tight rein right down to the last. And when he gave her an inch up the up the hill, she extended away the best part of ten lengths back to what we know, Love Envoy to be a very good mare. Some people will be questioning whether she's turned up the same filly this year as she was last season, but you can't take away from the fact that Lossy Mouth was pretty awesome. Some people will say, okay, well, the mare's hurdle is two and a half, champion hurdle is two, this filly has loads of speed. Look, I think we've been here before. They had any power. They went to the mares. They went to the world. They went to the champion. But, of course, they did have Faheen back then. They don't have Faheen now. There might be a slight temptation, but I think we're all 99% certain that she won't be looking at Constitution Hill. All right. If she ran if she ran in a champion hurdle, which evidently she's not going to, there's no movement on that from, from Rich Ritchie or Willie Mullins over, over the weekend. Um, where do you think she'd finish? How would you price it up? I was very interested listening to the Racing TV pundits on Saturday. They had a slight difference of opinion. Where would you put her in the market? It's funny, Gary O'Brien asked me this yesterday and I won't change my opinion. I believe she'd finish fourth. Do you really? I believe, believe Stateman and Constitution Hill to be the superior pair. And I think Ampere Pass in a proper run race is a very good horse. And he's better than maybe we've even seen from him this season. So even despite getting seven pounds, I would have her behind those three geldings. But would you disagree? I would disagree. I would disagree from a pricing up point of view. If I was a layer, I'd feel like I knew where I stood with Stateman and Ampere Pass, and I'd feel like I knew where I, I stood in, in terms of Stateman and Constitution Hill. I might say, well, given Constitution Hill has only had the one run this season, and Stateman might be going in there in the form of his life, maybe I'd have them slightly closer in price than, than they were 12 months ago. But with Lossy Mouth, you just don't know how good she is. And that's why she's a very de- she'd be a very dangerous horse to lay. It's all academic. She will run in a champion hurdle this season, though, Jane. The French champion hurdle. That's her big target at Otoy. And it, it was put to me 
are, are we are we not giving that the credence that it it deserves given that it's worth 175 sterling to the winner 175,000 sterling to the winner of the French champion hurdle why isn't that just as important to target if that's the way they want to go well, Nick, if prize money was really what mattered, then there'd be a lot more British coming to Dublin this weekend. But uh, if we're going to get into Otoy, and we've already had a French conversation surrounding the targets for um, Ile Francais, but Willie Mullins has always targeted the French champion hurdle um, and the Prix La Barca. He's had great success. Thousand Stars won the French champion hurdle twice. He won it way back in... 2003 he won it with nobody told me rule supreme won it the following year and most recently it was a mayor in these colors called benny de Joux back in 2019 so it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility it would actually be extremely likely that that could be her after cheltenham main target yeah cheltenham punches down otoy that's the plan pelosi mouth um, but the debate will rage of course and to be honest as has been pointed out elsewhere, and I wouldn't be the first to say it, you can crab away at connections all you like, but if the opportunity's there for them, then they're going to take it. If you don't want mayors not to run in the mayor's hurdle, then change the conditions of the mayor's hurdle so they can't run in it, and then they'd have to run in the champion hurdle if they were good enough to do so. Uh, let us move on, and I will ask you what you made of John Bon, Jane. You're your granular assessment of his performance. John Vaughan did not show up, and that is no disrespect to Elixir de Nuts, but John Vaughan is one of the most natural chasers of his generation uh, or any of any horse in training, and he jumped like a horse that was, I thought, it looked like he could have been a little bit restricted. He certainly could have hurt himself at the fourth last, and despite all of his faults throughout the run of the Clarence House, he still ma nearly managed to win. Um, look, it was an amazing story for the 18-year-old rider, Freddie Gingell and Joe Tizard, and it was an extremely emotional post-race interview from them all. But you asked me about John Bond, I think the best horse got beaten, and I hope he's okay this morning because it was, it was unlike him to do that, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was a bit sore. Well, it's not massively surprising that there was relative Irish domination of the card at, at Cheltenham on, on Saturday. Uh, neither was it a surprise that Noble Yates was able to win the Cleve Hurdle, but it was a wonderful race. And I wonder, with a couple of days to let the dust settle, what Emmett Mullins uh, made of it all. He's he's with me now. Emmett, you've had some, some great days. Where did that one rank, just to see your Grand National hero come back and do something like that? Yeah, no, it was a special day and um, it's a great race. It's something I hadn't realised. I think uh, the only other Irish winner of it before in Obeliates was a horse of the granddad's clock Taney in 88 or 89. Wow. Um, so that uh, that was a nice one to hit home with as well. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't realised that at all. That's a, that's a terrific result. I mean, does that make your life fairly straightforward now in terms of what you do with him? Or were you already fairly clear in your mind what the route was going to be? Stairs, Hurdle, Grand National? Stairs, Hurdle, Grand National have been the plan for most of the season. And um, I suppose we just had to um, lay our claim down on Saturday with a good run. And uh, thankfully we did it. And what was it about going over hurdles that you thought would particularly bring out the best in him? Because it's not as though you're doodling around in, in little handicaps. You're you're actually 
putting him in at, at the very highest level in that division. Yeah, I suppose we we reached for stars a bit last season with um, Gold Cups, Grand National off America 166 and uh, Grand Steep de Paris. So uh, he didn't miss any of the big engagements, but uh, we came up short. We ran good races and um, I suppose hurdling was the next uh, stone we hadn't turned over. He'd, uh, he'd won his maiden hurdling, got injured in it. Um, so we went on to fences and... Um, no, we, we, it was just a, a stone that hadn't been turned over more so than anything. Uh, this weekend could be another important one for you. Corbett's Cross has got dual engagements, Sandown, the Silly Isles, or possibly staying at the Dublin Racing Festival. Where are you leaning at the moment? Um, possibly Sandown. Um, I think uh, Willie's got plenty of ammo in Leopardstown, and... Um, uh, we've already come up short against one of them already, so uh, we might um, uh, we might travel this time to try and get the great one win. And I've been quite struck. Ruby Walsh, who doesn't dish out his compliments lightly, has been very positive about maintaining your horse as a very, very good one. Do you share that that faith that he is a, a top-notcher? Yes, definitely. No, since for the day one we've had him, uh, he's always shown a high level of form. And um, I suppose this season we were just uh, conscious not to uh, peak too soon and bring him on slowly. And um, we've uh, we've got a bit more stuck into him since Christmas. And uh, hopefully now we can start seeing his full potential for the spring festivals. And how many runners are you likely to have at the at the DRF? Uh, possibly only two or three. Um, I think I saw Scottish and um, a few handicaps and uh, a nice bumper horse, uh, Jeroboam Masham. Uh, and after that, I'm not sure. Uh, are you going to have to look for another rider for Jeroboam Masham? I'm guessing Patrick's got a million of his own potentials in there, or is he going to stick with you? I very much doubt he'll stick with me. Uh, <laughs> we haven't crossed that bridge just yet, but um, I would say I'd imagine we'll be looking for a new pilot. He was so impressive at, at Fairy House uh, back in in November. What have you been doing with him since, and has he come forward for that? He actually got a bad injury um, on a hind leg that day. Um, one of the horses behind him rolled in and caught him. Um, so that was a, a bit of a scare for a while, but it, he probably missed three or four weeks. Um, but he's back again, going again, and um, hopefully he hasn't lost too much fitness and uh, we can get a, we've had a clear run so far. Well, it was, it was heartwarming stuff, the Cleve Hurdle. Um, lots of horses that people like. Uh, doing great things. Noble Yates, Paisley Park, another good run from Dashiell Drasher. Paisley Park's becoming the most uh, lo- lovable runner-up there's been. If you had a horse like that, if he was five and was just starting his career and he'd contrived to get beaten by short distances on three or four consecutive occasions, people would be calling him all sorts of names. But because of his CV, he's an absolute hero, and quite rightly so, Jane. Absolutely. I think we're, we're endeared to the, the style of which he runs. You know, he's been compared to big bucks. He comes behind the bridle and he always finds generously for pressure. He almost knows Cheltenham better than his riders do now. And uh, a couple of maybe two or three more strides, he may well have got the cleave hurdle in the bag. But it was his 30th run. This horse has danced a lot of dances. And when he doesn't win, he goes out in his shield. Uh, last season wasn't his. Uh, he, he may have won at Kempton, but it, it, it tailed off somewhat. And I wondered at the age of 12 this year whether he'd be able to, you know, maybe compete at this level. But he certainly 
proved me wrong and proved that he can. And uh, it was a great race to watch. I think it's it, it shouldn't go unnoticed or unheralded how well Emmett Mullins has done with Noble Yates. Okay, he's won the national. That was amazing to do that with such an inexperienced horse, with a novice. And at the time, it was breaching a gap of around 60 years. But how many Aintree national winners win races after the national? And how many race races of substance do they win? Like this horse has come back and won a cleave hurdle that looks right up to scratch. I thought that was... Mm. I really tip my hat to him for that. And uh, I for think Harry he can Robin, win. who doesn't know the horse very well, it was sweet as well. I think he could win the stairs hurdle because he's only going to be better if they go flat out, which they didn't the other day. Yeah, personally, um, if if you ask me my tip for the, the, uh, for the, the stairs, it would be Chupo because I think he's the young, improving horse. I don't think he's reliant on soft ground, but he is your favourite. Um, this horse can't win the Gold Cup, if they all line up as it is, that is Noble Yates. Mm. So they've thought about which race is he most likely to win. And after finishing fourth in the Gold Cup, they gave it a go. He went back to Aintree. He finished fourth there. And I, I, I just commend, you know, Emmett is obviously, he's already known as this extremely shrewd character, but they're trying different things. And I'd say other trainers, you know, are watching it thinking, hmm, maybe we should do that and, and try something different. Because for a nine-year-old Noble Yates, you know, it just is probably going to reinvigorate him, give a bit of confidence, and who knows what he could go back to Liverpool and do. And obviously, transitioning horses back into the staying hurdles division has worked for so many horses down the years. You mentioned Big Bucks, Dashiell Drash is an obvious example at the moment, and now we've got Noble Yates. Well done to Emmett Mullins. Good luck with Corbett's cross at Sandown. At the weekend, he'd have a cracking chance in the Silly Isles Novices Chase. Now, another man who's going to have a runner in that race, more of which in a moment, experienced all the highs and lows of Cheltenham at the weekend. He is, of course, Jamie Snowden. Gar Law bouncing back with an imperious victory over two and a half miles. And then in the very next race, he lost his uh, stable star, one of his stable stars. That's all right, Gino, the hero of the Coral Gold Cup. And I put it to him that as he was driving home from Cheltenham uh, at the weekend, he must have felt like he'd been um, rather uh, put through the emotional ringer. Well, rather as it had been for Laura Morgan a couple of weeks earlier, it was the best of times and worst of times at Cheltenham for Jamie Snowden on, on Saturday. Gar Law returning to victory with a storming performance in the two-and-a-half-mile handicap. And then he lost one of his stable stars, that's all right, Gino, in, in the very next race, the Cotswold Chase. And it was a freak accident as, as well and one you, you very rarely, rarely hear about. Um, Jamie joins me now. Jamie, you were trying hard to be philosophical about the realities of of the game on Saturday, but you must have you must have driven home feeling pretty wrung out. Yeah, I think um, I think that's right, Nick. It um, it feels like you've been you know it's fairly winded, doesn't it? You know you've um, you've had a sort of a, a thump in the ribs and 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 the winds the life's kind of been taken out of you almost. It's um, you know we're 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 only ever in this game because we we love animals, we love horses. You know we we, we started riding as as children, and you know you you. You love horses, um, and it's the love of horses that gets you into the position you are. So when you lose, you know, a, a horse that's just so dear to you, it's um, it's incredibly sad. It must have also intensified uh, what you what you had felt when the horse had won the big Newbury race in in November. I mean, to what extent did it make you even more grateful for what he had achieved? 
Well, I think that's right, Nick. You're, you know, you're forever grateful for, for what these amazing horses give you. Um, I suppose from a slightly selfish point of view, you're, you're always wondering what, what the future would always have held for them as well. So, um, but that, that's a, you know, a, a sort of a naturally selfish thing to, to think. But um, yeah, we're, we're forever grateful for what they have given us. And you saw another one of your warriors, Garlaw, give you another terrific performance around Cheltenham. As I said, half an hour or so earlier, he, he looked to race with huge enthusiasm at the weekend. What, what's been the key to getting him back in the right slot? Well, it was it was a joy to watch. It really, really was. He um, he was a very talented youngster. He won a Grade Two at, at Wincanton um, back in the day as a as a novice, the Rising Stars. He jumped out in front and he bowled along and and he jumped beautifully that day. And 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 really, he he obviously missed a season with injury, but he came back last year and he won the Paddy Power Gold Cup off a mark of 142. And amazingly I don't know quite how he won that race it was only because he was very well handicapped because he never jumped a twig he never went a yard um, and really he just got up in the dying strides of the line that day and um uh, we we went up in trip on the back of that to to to, to um Dongster for the great Yorkshire chase the Skybet chase and he fell at the last um when coming to win his race that day and and, and he's never really quite given us the same kind of feel since on on the race course but um he, he ran a nice race in, in the, the Coral Gold Cup behind um, the ill-fated That's Right Juno. And, and he showed, we, we rode him far more positively at, uh, at Newbury. And he jumped from fence to fence until he obviously just didn't quite stay, at, you know, inside the final sort of three fences. But um, that gave us hope that uh, that, that actually back on a, uh, on a sort of two-and-a-half-mile two trip around the new course at Cheltenham, we were going to see a, a better result. And thankfully, so it showed. Rolling on to to this weekend uh, in the in the same silks, I think of that's all right, Gino Colonel Harry. Is that right in the in the Grade One Silly Isles? That's right. Yeah, he's been a very progressive horse. Um, he, he won um, the the the, the two mile three that is now the the Towson up at uh, up at Weatherby last time out. Um, it's only three weeks from then until the Silly Isles, but um, this looks at uh, uh, the obvious sort of next stepping stone on our way to Cheltenham all being well. Okay. Which race do you think would be the right race for him at Cheltenham? Well, he's done most of his winning over two miles in his youth. Um, he certainly he ran well in the in the Henry VIII when he was second, but he was staying on all the way to the line. And we obviously stepped him up for a for a perhaps weaker renewal of a, of a Grade Two up at Weatherby, and he won that nicely. Listen, I think he's um, he's a good horse. He, I don't know yet. Let's uh, <laughs> let's keep our options open. And and how much have you improved Reach for the Moon from John John and Thady Gosden? That's what that's what we really need to know. <laughs> well, that would be that would be incredible, wouldn't it? He's a I mean, listen, he's a very talented horse. He works he works really well. Um, but you'd be a little bit disappointed if if uh, the favourite for the Derby at one point doesn't work well with your three mile chaser. Um, he's a he's a smart horse. He's taken well to jumping. Um, he seems to enjoy that, so uh, hopefully he can transfer that to the track. You were pretty pleased with you wear it well at the weekend at Doncaster? I was. Um, I was pleased. I think we just got beaten by a better horse on the day. Um, I'm not sure that the, the, the... It was a very slowly run race on, on good ground. It turned into a little bit of a sprint from the second last, really. Um, I think we just got beaten by a better horse on the day, but um, hopefully under different circumstances we can turn it around at Cheltenham. That was Jamie Snowden um, talking very frankly and openly about the ups and downs 
of Cheltenham on Saturday. Jane, I want to ask you a few more questions about one or two of the winners. Uh, Capodanno in that uh, Cotswold chase. Player for anything at Cheltenham or not? Uh, I think he could be a national horse. I thought he was very well treated in the Cotswold chase and it was a good opportunity, well uh, found by Team Mullins. He was favourably treated. I think that's his Gold Cup. He was in the Gold Cup last year. I don't see him in it this year. I was happy to see the real Whacker bounce back. And from a, from a novice, it was actually quite a good run from stay away phase. Well, don't disregard him. But I'd say that was Capadano's Gold Cup. Okay. And he may well go for the national. And Sergino bounding clear of Burdett Road in the in the Triumph Hurdle trial. Was that the same Burdett Road that had turned up before Christmas? And if it was, just how good is Sergino? And can anything touch him in March? Burdett Road ran very well. He's keen and I just worry about the festival atmosphere with him. He jumped very well yesterday, but Sergino made light work of it. Um, pending the Dublin Racing Festival performances from Ireland, I don't think I've seen a horse over here to beat Sergino in that division yet. Okay, so um, full marks for, for Sergino from you. At Gidley Park, we spoke to Johnny Burke before the weekend. He was hopeful, a big horse, and it seems to, to me a horse with without bottom. I was watching him quite closely in the in the pull-up on the racing TV pitch I was watching from, from America. And he got right to the end before he could bring him to a halt. He's a beautiful horse. Um, he's out of a, presenting out of a strong gale. He's bred for a Gold Cup. I see him as an Albert Bartlett horse this year. He won over two and a half, but let's see what he can do. I, I, I think he's a, a future star for Team Fry and whatever he does this year, I'm very excited about him for, for fencing. A little more from the weekend, Jane. Uh, Doncaster, Jericho de Repone, scrambled home in the rescheduled Rossington, Maine. And our Nicky Henderson on this podcast before the weekend was quite clear that this wasn't exactly the timing he'd planned. And sometimes that can just throw you off a little bit. It was rather reminiscent of quite a few horses having that sort of run between Christmas and Cheltenham, I thought, over the years, who then start to bloom again when, when the festival comes. For me, an overreaction from the bookmakers to push him out as 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 hard as they did. What did you think? Um, I do recall in these colours. Did John Bond do something similar in his novice chase campaign well, going up to the Arkle? Novice chase and novice hurdle. I mean, he was unimpressive at, at Haydock. Yeah, so he's been pushed out to eight to one for the Supreme. Of course, Team McManus have the favourite in Mystical Power there at the moment. Um. I I was expecting better from him, I'll be honest, but I do think he's still a very good horse. He doesn't turn into a bad horse overnight and he still did manage to win. Um, there was a compliment paid to Bally Burns' performance at Leopardstown when Cletus Pulaw won yesterday in, in Nace and he won really well. Ballyburn beat him 25 lengths at Leopardstown at Christmas. Take it literally if you want, but it does back up that form. And uh, if we're talking about Lossy Mouth, we surely have to mention... Ashro Diamond, uh, that was impressive at Doncaster, wasn't it? Uh, yep, she was very impressive under uh, under Patrick Mullins. So the trainer suggesting that the runner-up uh, or the third Gallimasso would step forward quite significantly from that run. So Willie Mullins has a very strong hand in the mayor's hurdle, whether Lossy Mouth is there or not. And while we're on the subject of mayors, Dysard Enos just cantered around in a race that she needed to win, I suppose, just to put a spot on for, for Cheltenham. She's pretty good, isn't she? 
She is. She was one to nine. That'll tell you the depth of the race, but she is good. And Fergal O'Brien, because he hasn't won a class one race, he's going into Cheltenham without a penalty. The penalty that will have to be carried by the likes of Jade de Grugy, who I thought was quite good in the Solarina hurdle at Fairy House on Saturday. She could do no more. Uh, I was at Nace yesterday. I saw Embassy Gardens lay down his gauntlet for the National Hunt Chase. The race at Statler won, I think, two years ago before he went on to win that very race. Uh, he's quite inexperienced but he looks like he has that profile and I, I was I was impressed by the bumper horse he might not have beaten an awful lot but Yasmin DeVoe went into a lot of notebooks with what he did yesterday in the bumper he was very impressive there aren't too many horses in training that you get more excited about than Galapan Deschamps he's a star of the show at the Dublin Racing Festival this weekend as he takes in the Irish Gold Cup he'll renew rivalry with Fast or Slow who's got two verdicts over him but no doubt that at Leopardstown last time, Galapin Deschamps put up this season's signature performance over hurdles or fences, to be honest with you. Uh, Jane, he will have one fewer rival to worry about. I've just been speaking to Mouse Morris, and he said to me that Charlie Hall Chase win a gentleman's game, who defeated Brave Man's game that day, would head straight to Cheltenham. That'll be a big ask with just three runs under fence, over fences under his belt. Um, but he's very happy with the horse. He just feels that the timing isn't quite right. So where does that leave us for this weekend? It leaves us with potentially a very small field because Monkfish ran at the weekend uh, uh, on the Thursday's day in the Galmai Hurdle. Jungle Boogie could run, uh, very inexperienced, but was good at Tremor. I am Maximus, who was behind Gallop and Deschamps, could run. Uh, Jerry Colomba confirmed to go straight to Cheltenham by Gordon Elliott at Nace yesterday. You mentioned Gentleman's Game. Gallop and Deschamps is four faster, slow five, and then the potential of Conflated and Cocoa Beach, maximum a field of seven for the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup. We won't have each way betting in that, but there won't be many people betting against the top two. And it looks like we'll get another um, round of State Man and Ampere pass with Bob Ollinger thrown into the mix in the Irish champion hurdle. I wanted to ask you about the Mare Dino Blue in the Dublin chase, because if she runs well behind El Fabiolo, or gives him a race, or beats him, then where does that leave us with the champion chase and what might then happen, say, to John Bond? Could he be rerouted? It's a very interesting question because I think we both know that John Bond would have no problem going up and trip. And I myself have reservations about Dino Blue up to two and a half miles. She's a great one winner over two at Christmas or over two one. She's got a high cruise. We saw what she did in the Grand Annual last year despite banking fences. Um, uh, I think Dr. Dino's tend to be best at two miles. There's a lot of them very good at two miles. State man and Charger spring to mind. So uh, she'll be, yeah, she, she she could be the way the McManus camp are revolving around. But let's see, El Fabiolo is a monster. If you were to, st- if you were to stand the two of them up beside each other, you'd have quite the physical contrast. Well, very enjoyable weekend in Miami for the Pegasus World Cup of 2024. And the big race produced a thrilling spectacle, more of which in a few moments' time. But the turf equivalent, the Pegasus World Cup turf, was won by a European horse for the first time uh, since its reincarnation as part of this event. And no surprise that it was won by Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore. And it was a, a ride reminiscent of his August Rodan performance in the Breeders' Cup aboard the the star filly Warm Heart, who'd finished second herself at Santa Anita in the Breeders' Cup and subsequently had gone on to run a sound race in the Hong Kong Vars um, uh, just before Christmas. This was a sharp drop back in trip on a very tight track. It was a masterful performance 
in the saddle. Ryan Moore keeping her just able to latch on to the to the pace and then somehow finding a ridiculous seam up the fence to win. As ever, he wasn't really keen to give too much credit to himself. This is what he told uh, me and NBC viewers after the race. You ran a great race in the, uh, the, the Phillies in San Benito and then Hong Kong, um, we went quite steady and, you know, in hindsight I would have liked to roll a bit differently on the day, but um, we thought this could be the right spot and, um, you know, she, she's able to put herself in a good position and uh, it worked out lovely and look, she's a very courageous filly, she's had a fantastic year and, um, you know, I believe she's off to justify now, so that'll be exciting. Well, that was Ryan Moore, and as he said, Warm Heart is off for a mating with Justify in Kentucky. National Treasure was the winner of uh, the Pegasus World Cup, following on from his victory in the middle leg of the Triple Crown last year, the Preakness Stakes, and he looks now as though he could be the older horse that is going to um, fly the flag for Bob Baffert this season. He certainly has some interesting targets right around the corner, potentially in Saudi and Dubai, albeit that they come quite quickly. I put in a call to his co-owner, Tom Ryan, a little earlier today, and I began by asking him whether there was any measure of surprise in the way that National Treasure did things on Saturday. Look, you know, you should always feel an element of surprise when you win a race, but we uh, we did go to, go to Florida with a level of confidence that we had him as well as we could have him, you know, Bob, uh, Bob had eight very nice works into him going down there and he had really come out, come from work to work and improved and improved his, what, what this, this horse is starting to really focus now. He's starting to focus, relax. He's starting to really enjoy his racing. And, um, you know, when, when, when horses can put it all together like that, they become, they become quite lethal, don't they? Yeah. And he has suddenly emerged as the sole meaningful representative from last year's Triple Crown Trail. And what now? Because you've got the possibility of the big paydays this this spring. And what are you thinking? Well, I, I, I think we're we're going to take a hard look at everything. You know, it was music to my ears to hear Jimmy Barnes and Roberto and the boys were delighted with how he came out of the race. Is he bounced out of there? He jogged up perfectly the next morning, so he he's leaving in fifteen minutes to get on a plane to go back to California, and uh, you know he'll be further assessed when he gets back there. You know he's just he's just going to have to tell Bob that you know he either he needs an extra two weeks or he's he's a horse that we can really consider going to Saudi with. Um, we definitely feel. Uh, Ability-wise, Saudi is definitely within his scope, but we we want to do the right thing by the horse. But if he's well, that would be your your preference because the distance requirements would seem to suit him so well. Yeah, the dis the distance would suit him. But look, I I do feel like what he did on Saturday, being able to sit off a horse and produce himself late and sit off sit off basically blistering fractions um it just shows that there is just just two dimensions to this horse now where he's where before it felt like he really needs to have the lead to to win his races and you know when we when we put him on the lead in races like the belmont and stuff like that it just didn't work out and now maybe we have a different horse to work with here so we may be able to stretch his speed a little bit also Okay, well, I, I really hope he does make it there. If he does, I, interestingly, I bumped into Dallas Stewart yesterday um, when I was having lunch in, in Miami, and he, 
he said that his horse who made the running uh, hoist the gold he said he's going to have a crack at, at the Saudi Cup which is uh, and Senor Buscador's connections have come out this morning and said likewise so it could be a it could be a Pegasus Mark too. Yeah, it, it could, it could, and uh, look, bring it on. It's a, it's a wonderful race. We, we love, we love that surface over there, um, and who, do, who doesn't want to take on the challenge of racing for twenty million dollars on a global stage like that? Tom, thanks for your time today. Thank you. All right, sales time again. This time at Tassels February sale this Thursday and Friday, and. When I looked at the catalogue, I was instantly minded to give our old friend Ed Babington a call. You remember Ed bought Missed the Cut for 40 grand at this sale in 2022 and then sold him on to race in America for a large sum of money where he's done pretty well. Now, Ed is trying to turn base metal into gold again, courtesy of Composite, who he already purchased at Tattersall's for uh, the princely sum of 5,000 guineas. And the horse has done rather well. Uh, Ed, five grand for composite, and you bought him with Phil Cunningham as well. So there's not going to be the biggest outlay you've ever uh, expended on a horse. Why did you like him? Um, well, I was kind of still at the sales with George, really, and he kind of ticked a lot of boxes. He was out of a nice Jogmont family. There was no one up the, at the sales, really, so it was kind of there wasn't a lot of competition there for him. And we just thought, you know, if he's a sort of horse that could go in win a novice that we, we we could pit him back to sales and, and try and turn a few quid um, he actually all he's done is improve and improve so which is now sort of with Phil and we're half thinking do we keep him and I'm always thinking oh there's I enjoy as much selling as him as I do buying them so um, he's he's done that job and he's won a couple and you know it's the right time to sell him I, I find you know probably to go abroad so for you the trading aspect of it is not just trying to make a few quid. You actually get a kick out of that, of, of being able to pick something up, put some value on it, move the horse on. I love it. I mean, I, mean, I enjoy that as, as much as anything. You know, it's, you're sort of testing yourself to see if that you can sort of buy a cheaper horse and, you know, with the right trainer, there is, there is the possibility that there's a sell at the end of it and it keeps everything turning, keeps Mrs. Babington off my back as well if I start selling a few as well, which is always an upside. Um, I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about this horse's profile because he's by, he's by Cracksman. And although uh, Ace Impact was doing his thing when you bought this horse in September, um, he hadn't won the arc yet. And I, do, I did wonder if the sale was a couple of weeks later, whether, whether you might have got away with five grand or not. Oh, definitely. I mean, more importantly, like he's a half brother to Shutter Speed, if I'm if I'm not wrong, and kind of it, there, there was a lot of upside on, on the sort of pedigree of if he did end up being okay, you know, that there was enough in the family for him to be able to sell. Because at the end of the day, um, the mare has produced some some nice horses. So yeah, obviously he might have made a, a few extra quid before the arc, but. Um, it was more on the mare side, really. Um, and again, as you say, lovely Judmont pedigree, and that is something that George Bowie has done so successfully so often, identify a really well-bred horse, buy them cheaply and reach their pedigree potential. So what do you need to make this worthwhile, do you think? I mean, we advertised him on Racehorse Trader to say that he was going to be auctioned at TATS. I have had quite a lot of interest through people emailing me to say, you, you know, to, to go abroad 
genuinely um you know so the easiest and best thing to do is obviously send it to tattersalls and then and and let them kind of fight it out so i don't really want to put a figure on him but he's he's a horse with the right sort of pedigree and scope to go abroad because you know he's he's crying out for a trip as well i mean we did run him in a bumper where he needed a run um but since then you know he's improved loads and that was his first run so on his last on his last appearance you'd say that you know he'd be a mile and a half horse all day long which will suit that australian market um and i think that's where he will probably end up just because he kind of ticks those boxes Right, well, Ed, good luck with Composite um, and uh, with all the other horses that you're going to be running during the course of this season. Brilliant. Good to talk to you, Nick. Right. Well, you won't just see horses like Composite at the sales this weekend. You'll see some stallions as well. Uh, Thursday, the 1st of February, so this Thursday, Stallion Parade and the attending stallions are Ayali, Kachura, uh, El Caballo, Lope y Fernandez, Midnight Sands, Mutasabek, Soldier's Call, Stradivarius, Twilight Sun and Ulysses. So quite a few of those not represented by runners yet, and a few that you know a bit more about. Uh, You'll have heard me speaking with Sophie Buckley from Culworth Grounds earlier uh, this year about El Caballo, her new stallion. He'll be there, and Sophie uh, joins me now. How's he getting on, Sophie? He's getting on very well. Um, He's settled in really nicely and seems like a real gentleman to cover with, so we're 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 very happy with that. Um, I've got Jason Parkin, who's in charge here at Coles Grants, and and that's his area of expertise. So it's actually been great watching somebody who really knows their job very well, and actually someone who's giving you know a young stallion a really good education on manners, how to do things properly. Um, but it seems to have come very naturally to El Caballo. and uh, he seems very kind, caring, you know, good natured, and you know sweet so uh, that's that's a very big positive how's the demand been so far the, the demand is good um he's had lots of visitors lots of telephone calls most of the breathing rights are sold still maybe a couple more to go um so i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling very pleased about that but i do think the stallion parade is going to be a great opportunity um for breeders to actually see the horse in real life i think in in ireland they have the irish stallion trail which sort of gives people you know sometimes people feel you know it's maybe awkward to ring up and say, oh, can I come and have a look? And they might feel like they have to commit. Whereas that um, that sort of stallion trail, people can, they know that's an open week and you can freely go in and out of the studs and see all the stallions. And we don't have that. So I think this um, TBA stallion parade, you know, offers the breeders the opportunity to just go look, not feel obliged to buy, but really just get that opportunity to have a really good look at the, at the horses. There is, however, having said all that, Sophie, an, an added incentive to to get stuck in on the day or to, to buy a nomination on the day. What happens if you do? So if you uh, sign up within 24 hours of the Stallion Parade, um, your name goes into a raffle and the uh, five uh, breeders will be picked out and the subsequent progeny will be offered free entry into the Tattersall's full sale the following year. So it's a great incentive and save quite a lot of money for somebody. So it is a worthwhile, it's worthwhile to book in on the day if you actually think you're going to use the Stallion. All right, thanks to Sophie and to all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me. And again, apologies that this podcast was a little later uh, today. But um, 
Sometimes I can't control what time the plane takes off and lands. Uh, Jane, uh, what have you got for me for either today or tomorrow or whenever? I said I would push the boat out and go to the last race at Punchestown today, hoping that people might have seen it or heard it by then. There has been quite a few quid come for Folly Master. Jim Draper, when he does go for a little bit of a punt, I would sit up and take note. Folly Master has had uh, quite a few duck eggs next to his name, but I would say I'm going to follow the money. And that's Folly Master in the last of Punchestown today. All right, Jane, thanks so much for chatting to me today. Thank you very much for listening. I will be back brighter and earlier tomorrow morning and um, we will see you then bye for now you've been listening to nick luck daily brought to you in association with fitzdares the racehorse owners association and thoroughbred racing commentary mm-hmm.